Welcome to the True Hope Cast podcast, where we take a deep dive into mental health's many physiological and psychological aspects. This is the show for you if you're looking for motivation, inspiration, knowledge, and solutions, and that's what we are all about here at True Hope Canada. True Hope Canada is a mind and body based supplement company dedicated first and foremost to promoting brain and body health through non invasive nutritional means. For more information about us, please visit truehopecanada.com. Our podcast is going to end with a solution based question for our expert providing tools for our listeners to begin healing their bodies and today's question is going to be what one thing can we do right now to begin healing our gut today on the show i welcome josh deck now josh is an ex-paramedic and holistic nutritionist specializing in gut health through his clients remarkable successes even with complex digestive diseases once deemed almost impossible to cure he forged connections with some of the world's most distinguished doctors since then he's been recruited to the priority health academy as a medical lecturer helping educate doctors on the holistic approach to gut health and complex digestive issues today we're going to be discussing all things gut health enjoy the show okay josh welcome to true hope cast thanks so much for being with us today how are you what is going well Simon, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. What is going well? That's such a great question. What isn't going well? I mean, really, it does all seem to be a matter of how you take it. You know, there's always things going poorly, but if you can look at the sunshine through the tunnel, man, everything's going well. Absolutely. It's very easy to dwell on the, neg- the negatives, I suppose, that happen in our lives. But yeah, it's very important to have a, a practice of grace and gratitude and joy and, and all those things. And I think starting off the day, remembering those things is very, very important to um, make sure you're, you know, catapulting into the day in a positive motion. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, it's so funny because I know you guys have talked about this a lot on the show and we can so easily just dwell and settle in and focus on the negative and make mountains out of molehills and all these things. But really, there's always something better. Everything I find, I hate the term, you know, everything happens for a reason, but I do love that everything can have a purpose. It can drive you to something better, be it a career change, losing your job, whatever it is, it can always drive to something better, even though we can't see it yet. And that is where, for me, hope comes from. Beautiful. I absolutely love that. Thank you. Well, we're going to be discussing gut health, gut healing today. And at the end of the podcast, we're going to be offering uh, offering you up a um, question and we're going to look for some solutions to the question what is one thing you can do right now to start beginning to heal your gut so we're going to jump into that at the end of the at the end of the show but to kick things off I'd love to learn a little bit more about you so maybe you could tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do sure so I'm an ex-paramedic that was my first career way back in the day and it was really interesting because during that time I recognized very quickly that I was working in sick care not health care where you pick up a lot of the same people, minus traumas and accidents, we pick up a lot of the same people for a lot of just what we call generally unwell. There was heart issues or blood pressure issues or blood sugar issues. It was just basically a glorified taxi for sick, sick people is what it came down to. And so I ended up leaving that career after a while. I got to the personal training space. In my early 20s, I met with a client who came to see me. Her name was Lynn. She was 57 years old at the time. When we started together, She was on 17 pills and insulin for breakfast. She had nine pills and insulin with bed. She had high blood pressure, slept with a CPAP machine. She was on the disability list at work. You could see very steadily her health just declining over the years and her medications increasing. And we started at 57. We started working in nutrition and fitness and general wellness. And she went from all these medications, disability, CPAP, high blood pressure at age 59. She was off all but two medications and she actually broke her first world record as a weightlifter, as a powerlifter in the raw powerlifting division and kept breaking records till she was 61, 62 when she effectively retired. And so that is the healing capacity of the human body to go from, you know, 26 medications a day, blood pressure issues and disability to breaking records. And so it started pushing me down this journey of holistic care. I started diving more into human health and the human capabilities of what the body can really do. And as time went on, I got more curious. I started looking at skin issues or hormonal issues. I saw a lot of PCOS or PMS or anxiety, depression, uh, all kinds of stuff, insomnia, skin issues like psoriasis and eczema. And as these things started to come through, I found there was a connection to the gut. And I thought, well, 
I'm breaking medicine. Like I'm discovering something amazing. No one's ever seen this before. Turns out they've been looking at it for 50 years. Um, it's just the first I've heard of it. And so as these things started to go, I, I got more involved in the gut and went back to school, became a nutritionist and specialized in the gut. And as things went on, I saw worse and worse gut disease until I effectively specialized in Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, which is IBD or inflammatory bowel disease, which led me to where my career is today. Fascinating. I'd love to just ask you about the your paramedic experience. So did you basically end up leaving that job because it was not fulfilling? Were you kind of getting fed up with, as you say, it was a glorified taxi for kind of sick people? Mm -hmm. It's interesting you say that. It really reaches back to our first conversation we introduced on the episode. It was a happy accident. I was pushed in a direction I did not want to go. Um, I used to work some here in Canada with you. And so I used to work, I graduated from Ontario, drove all the way out to Newfoundland. First job I could find, I was like, I'm going to get some experience. And I did that. And I worked in a rural setting and I was in and out of town quite a lot. And then I came out to Alberta. Well, first Ontario, couldn't find a job, came out to Alberta. I was like, I'll just get a job on the rigs. But no matter what, I couldn't get my license transferred. It was this huge pain in the ass. I ended up getting into personal training just to fill the time because it's an industry I already knew. And I was mm -hmm. fascinated by it, fell in love, very little desire to go back to paramedics. And then we're here. So it was very much a happy accident. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, what is so important about our gut health? I mean, it's a huge topic, but mm -hmm. is there anything, I'm sure you have the conversation with lots of different people introducing the idea that gut health is very important i think a lot of people recognize that what you eat is very important and what you what you eat what you don't eat is important but when it comes to like the the, the science and the research now around like gut health the microbiome etc we need to be spending a little bit more attention on it in regards to more than just thinking about what we might eat yeah, absolutely. And I think the term gut health is really getting mainstream, which is great. I love that. The problem with mainstream is as things kind of disseminate down from the lead researchers to the masses via influencers or marketing campaigns, whatever it is, the truth really gets, it's like a game of telephone, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want a new hammock turns into grandma bought another banana shaped sandwich and it just none of it makes sense by the time it gets down. And so to really understand gut health, yes, we know it's important, but the question is why? And you talk about the word microbiome, for the listeners who may not be familiar, the microbiome is this community of gut bacteria living inside of our bodies. Now we have microbiomes everywhere. You have them on your skin, in your nose, in your hair. You have them in all your organs and intestines. Women actually have their own microbiome vaginally. We have them in, uh, uh, men will have it in their groin area, on their feet. Like every, there's a microbiome everywhere. They're all little neighborhoods. And the microbiome inside of our gut, I often say is more important than our very DNA. And this is simply for a couple things. Number one, your gut bacteria outnumber your body's own cells by 10 to 1. You have 10 times more gut bacterial cells than you do your own cells. The human genome, our entire genes, 23,000 of them for the whole human genome, we have 3 million different genes inside of our gut bacteria. And so it's just so astronomical when we look at the, the size of them. I mean, your DNA could fit into your big toe. The rest of your body would be bacteria. Mm -hmm. And so when we start looking at how they interact with every aspect of life, they interact with your genetics, with your DNA, with your mind, with your nutrition, with what diseases you will or will not get. We know, in fact, that our gut bacteria and our gut health is connected to 93% of the leading causes of death in the United States. We're talking heart disease, cancers, strokes, respiratory issues, uh, diabetes, Alzheimer's, kidney and liver disease, Parkinson's, like you name it, high blood pressure, it can all come back to the gut. And so we talk about gut health. It's not so much, well, am I bloated? Am I gassy? Do I have um, irregular bowel movements? Am I really smelly when I pass gas? Those are things that are symptoms of what's going on under the surface of a hundred trillion different bacteria, all creating these symptoms. And that is really the importance of it and why we need to be, I'd say, develop a reverence for it. It's a predictor of disease. And it's, it's unbelievable what it really does for our bodies. Yeah, the current research is, it's, I mean, it's, I say it's probably um, like the last 10 years, some, some really amazing stuff is definitely coming out. A lot of researchers now recognizing the importance of, of the microbiome, of our gut health, but also linking that to our brain health and our immune health and all these other parts of our system, which 
are thoroughly guided by the health or ill health of, of, of our of our microbiome and our gut and yeah the numbers are astronomical it's wonderful especially when you take it into context of gene content we're significantly more microorganism than we are human so i always think like who's actually in charge within the human body you know some of the thoughts that we might think you know is that is that coming from me or is that coming from all these other microorganisms that have a significant say especially when it comes to our brain health and I wonder if you could touch on the importance mm. of our gut health connecting with our brain and kind of that vagus nerve connection that I'm sure a lot of people maybe have heard about but maybe we can get some some, some clarification on that yeah totally and it's interesting you talk about you know, the, the role of these little things having a say, um, I'd love to actually give a little anecdotal story if I could, just to really hammer that point home. Please. Are you familiar with a parasite called toxoplasmosis or t parasite infection? I, I am personally. Yeah. Oh, good. You, you're, I know you're very well educated <laughs> in this subject. Um, so for our listeners, you may have heard your doctor tell, you know, if you or your wife, or, you know, if you've been pregnant, tell you not to change kitty litter right? Because of this toxoplasmosis, it's a toxoplasma gondii, this parasite infection. But this little thing, right? This is the power of small things. It is so obscenely powerful. What it will do, everything has a prime directive in life. We all want to survive, right? Pass on our genes. These little toxoplasma bacteria will infect things to get in the belly of a cat because that's where it can live its best life. It can grow and whatever cat doesn't care if it's a house cat or a mountain lion, it's any cat. And so what these toxoplasma do is they rewire the entire person of a living organism. They'll actually get into mice, for example. Now, mice, by genetics, are afraid of cats. They run. Even a baby mouse who's never seen a cat will run, or if they smell cat urine, they go the other way. It's hardwired into their brain. But this individual organism, this little parasite, will rewire that mouse's brain, one, to burn out the fear center. It burns out the dendrite so it's no longer afraid of cats, but it also rewires the brain so that when it smells cat urine instead of running, it actually stimulates a sexual arousal response. So it now seeks out cats. Therefore, this toxoplasma has rewired and completely overridden the survival instincts of a fully living organism in order to be eaten to end up in the belly of a cat. And that's the power of one small thing. And we look at having a hundred trillion bacteria. It's like, what do they do for us or work against us? And so when we're talking about the role of that vagus nerve, right? It's one of the main cranial nerves from the brain. And it comes down, innervates with all your major organs, your heart, your lungs, your, your intestines and all that stuff. And that vagus nerve is a large, in large part responsible for really the effects we get from this fight and flight response. If you're really stressed or you're anxious or you're really depressed or whatever it is, you're in this fight and flight response. We're not digesting very well. We're not producing digestive enzymes or stomach acid. We're not taking nutrients in. And so we're going to get this feedback signal from it that's going to create this inhibition of digestion, which can lead to what we call bacterial dysbiosis or an imbalance in gut bacteria. On the other hand, if we do work to stimulate that vagus nerve, I'm sure you're familiar with cold water plunges and humming or singing and uh, you know ohms and all those things that can stimulate that vagus nerve, breath work, that can relax that signal. It's bidirectional between your gut and your brain. In fact, in utero, your gut and your brain are made from the same tissue, right? As a fetus being being developed. And so there's this bi-directional relationship that communicate back and forth. And we talk about your gut and your brain health, things that come through the gut, of course, go into your bloodstream, your lymphatic system, circulating all around, getting directly to the brain, many crossing this blood-brain barrier. That can cause issues there as well. But then we take it one step further, we can see how if you're inflamed in the gut, for example, we talk about gut reactions or gut instincts. You have you know, billions and billions of neurons in the brain and hundreds of millions inside your gut. Well, picture trying to walk on a sprained ankle, right? It's inhibited. It's slow. You have to limp and kind of hobble along. Well, the same thing if you have gut issues, you want to talk about brain health or even instinctive reaction, your gut instinct, that connection to go from your gut to your brain is now limping along. It's slower, which can actually inhibit your subconscious or this fight or flight mechanisms or these sort of gut feelings we get that protect ourselves, that protect animals in the wild. And we can actually lose that, the things that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. It's really quite fascinating. Yeah, whether it be like a, a bacteria, a, a virus, parasites, all of these very small organisms have got this 
incredible ability to interact positive, positively with our body and also have a very negative effect as well. So it's very important that we are keeping a, an eye on the symptomology that I suppose that we're experiencing that can usually be led to like to, towards your gut health. And there's various testing you can get done. I'm not quite sure if the testing that you can get done in a conventional setting is going to give you enough information to be able to um, really give you a good course of action. Maybe you could speak to that in regards to like what's the best sort of, I know you can do, you know, use a company like Viome, for example, mm -hmm. to, you know, you send off a st stool, stool sample and they'll give you a breakdown of that sample of the predominant bacteria that you have and viruses, et cetera, and ones that you maybe want to look to um, improve on. What do you, what would you recommend to people who, feel that maybe it's their gut health it might be their microbiome i think everyone should get their microbiome tested mm -hmm. anyway regardless but somebody who's maybe been dealing with um diarrhea constipation you know, like a mix of that for a long period of time gas bloating and they can't really put their finger on it and they've probably tried fasting different diets this this and this to try and alleviate those symptoms but they can't quite can't quite figure it out where mm -hmm. would you lead them in regards to getting some tests done and being able to see those results? Because I think seeing those results from a test really gives people the um, that that data, that knowledge that they can actually tangibly see and then go ahead and action. Yeah, great question. So getting the microbiome tested, I love that. I'm a big fan. You're clearly very knowledgeable about this stuff because very few people even know you can test your microbiome. And it really is controversial. If we look at it, we have thousands of different species. On top of that, thousands of different strains. We have 20 million, give or take, different types of gut bacteria inside of our body multiplied out to make 100 trillion. So even if we have 20 million different varieties, we can realistically test on the best microbiome or GI maps about a hundred. So it really is a grain of sand on a beach. But the reality is these are very actionable things. Many we can, you know, work on building or bringing down if they're too high and elevated causing problems. So all that's really useful. Um, there are a lot of ones out there that a lot of doctors quite like. Some use something like doctor's data or Viome. I don't actually like those ones myself. For me as a clinician in practice, I don't like so much the qualitative data where it says, yes, this species is detected green light, green light or red light. What I want to see is qualitative uh, or quantitative data. So I can actually see the numbers and the ratios and see what's in there and out of, in and out of balance. And that really helps me fix people's guts. I mean, I use it to fix gut diseases previously thought to be impossible, like Crohn's and colitis. There's nothing we can do. Take these drugs and we'll cut out your colon one day, but we're actually reversing and putting these people into full remission. And so that's using this little grain of sand on the beach. So it's very, very actionable. And so I use things like Vibrant Wellness, Diagnostic Solutions, where they do have that, that quantitative number. I can actually see the bacterial cultures and counts. And so that's really important to me. And we look at this as well. We connect it back to things like mental health. You know, we always come back to the brain. We can actually see on some of these really high quality maps, like a gut zoomer 3.0. These are the nice new ones they have where they can test all the different strains and species. We know certain bacteria produce certain byproducts. So you and I eat, Simon, we poop. Your bacteria eat what you eat and they also poop. That's what gas is. If you pass gas, you're just passing a fart bubble made of billions and billions of little bacteria farts and that exits mm -hmm. and that's what that's from. And so all those byproducts, our brain, our body use, they produce fatty acids, which are great for the immune system. They have anti-inflammatory properties, antioxidants, anti-aging, all kinds of great stuff. Your, your bacteria even produce vitamins. They help balance hormones, detoxify junk and all kinds of great stuff. But we can see certain bacterial cultures that we know produce things like serotonin and that we need that in our brain. 90% of those neurotransmitters like serotonin are made in your gut. And if there's gut dysfunction, you're likely going to have some kind of anxiety, depression, cognitive issue, focus, ADHD, something going on where you're not able to focus because you're lacking the basic building blocks from your bacteria, right? We always peel back the layers. Why, why, why? You have anxiety? Your doctor goes, okay, here's a drug. You have anxiety and you see a functional specialist. We go, okay, why are you anxious? What makes you anxious? When did this start? And we can connect it back to something else in the body. They're all symptoms. And so that to me is very important, recognizing the importance of specific strains that we do know today. We have, it's exciting because we have an entire beach left to study. I'm really looking forward to the next 50 years of science. Yeah, it's amazing what we can, we do have available to now. And I, I would love to, I don't have a whole lot of faith in healthcare, to be honest, but mm -hmm. I love it for maybe in like the next 10, 15 years, that would be a very standard test you'd be able to go and do 
with your doctor and and be able to have a a, a diagnosis and a, pl a treatment plan going forward that would be a little bit more opposite towards just pharmaceutical drugs and antibiotics just wiping out the terrain rather than thinking mm. about the importance of the terrain and working 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 with it so yeah i'd love to think that in the future maybe in the private sector in america is probably more likely that something like that would happen but without question when you see incredible studies of people doing fecal transplants and reversing chronic diseases that, that have absolutely no um conventional treatment plan and you see the reversing of that type of thing i put out a blog a couple of weeks ago about some research showing that these researchers, I think it was in Italy, but they basically put the, they took they did a fecal transplant from adult humans with Alzheimer's and put those transplants into healthy young rats. And within a couple of weeks, those rats developed Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. Like dendrites are breaking down. They couldn't do the same memory um, games that they did before. Very interesting stuff in regards to how your gut health will correlate and work with, with, with your brain. And you would think that, you know, because we are kind of taught with this conventional set setup that yeah. you know, we have our gut health is down here and you go and see a, you know, a gut specialist. Your brain is up here. It's completely separate. It's got nothing to do with your gut. So you go and see a neurologist. And the same with every other separate part of your body. You know, we have that kind of reductionist idea wrapped around um, healthcare and diagnostics. But, you know, if you work with a holistic practitioner like yourself, where you have to take all those things into consideration, you know, if somebody's stressed, they've got anxiety, they've got mood problems, you're going to start talking about the gut immediately, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Instantly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's at the root cause of most things. I think you'd be extremely hard pressed to find anybody who has any kind of autoimmune condition or mental health disorder or anything of the sorts who doesn't have a gut issue linked in there somewhere. You talk about this very reductionist method of, you know, looking at health and health care. It's all separated. That's the problem we see is everybody is looking at, you know, one thing. It's one section as if they don't talk to each other, but we know every aspect of your body talks to itself and the most communicative of them all is in fact your gut. It talks to every aspect of every cell of every fiber of your being. You are literally, and you say we are what you eat, but you are what you digest and absorb. And that's a huge part of that is just making sure you're digesting and absorbing all the good bits. And so, you know, we look at healthcare as a whole. Individualization is important. Moving past symptom management is very important because we do exactly that. We take people in and we go, and this is Western medicine, right? We'll look at them and go, here are your symptoms. Therefore, here's your diagnosis. Therefore, here's the drug. Unfortunately, you have people who sit in these gray areas. You go, well, you have these symptoms, but you don't really have anxiety. You don't really have colitis. You don't really have this condition. Therefore, we can't help you. But here's an antidepressant. You could try this antibiotic. And it makes people sicker and sicker because we're not fitting into the box. And it's, it's cookbook medicine. Right. Yeah. Dr. Bill Rawls said that to me, he says it's cookbook medicine and doctors aren't critically thinking. They're not taught to critically think. They're taught to follow protocols. And it's a very, very dangerous place to be for the healthcare system when it comes to any aspect of our health. I've, I've always been fascinated with the like enteroimmunology study, like the, the link between the immune system and the gut. And I, th I think we hear numbers of like, you know, 70 percent of our immune system sits within our gut and we have that big autoimmune connection as well can you talk to us a little bit about that like the the, the effects of let's say a, a poor microbiome within the gut and its effects on the immune system yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting you say the 70%. That's the number I've actually learned when I was going through school and I've seen it a lot. And you get other doctors like functional medicine specialists like Dr. Amy Myers who even say upwards of 90%. And I think that's a very fair bit. Now, we look at your immune cells, right? Your body has all kinds of different cells targeted to do different things. But your gut bacteria influence the development and the maturation of your immune cells. So T cells and B cells and macrophages, dendritic cells, all these things. And they're housed in something called the GALT. That's your gut-associated lymphoid tissue. We also have something in there called the MALT, which is a mucosa-associated lymphoid tissue. And your lymphatic tissue is kind of like your blood, where it's a super highway around the body. And outside of your small intestine, it's one cell thick, like less than a strand of hair, one cell to go from your small intestine into your bloodstream or your lymphatics. In the large intestine, it's only two cells. And so we have this very, very fine barrier before things cycle around the entire body. If you have inflammation, I mean, 
We talk about these immune cells being housed and matured, like they live and grow and learn and get trained inside of your gut. But imagine living in a house that's always on fire, right? You'd have some, you'd be pretty unstable. You'd have some issues and have some traumas coming out of that. Now imagine your cells living in a gut that's always inflamed. They're not going to work properly. They're not going to function properly. They won't develop properly. You have leaks in the gut. We talk about leaky guts, the leading cause of almost all disease ever. Um, there's actually a paper by Dr. Alessio Fasano, who's the guy who sort of coined leaky gut and discovered the role of zonulin and how it creates leaky gut. But its paper is called All Diseases Start in the Leaky Gut and the Role of Zonulin Mediated you know, Disease. And so it's really interesting when you look at these leaks in the gut, inflammation spreads that one cell barrier apart. And now instead of micromolecules passing through the cell membrane like they should, they pass in between the cells and they're macromolecules, which get into your blood, your lymphatics, your immune system goes, well, hey, you shouldn't be here. Sends a bunch of guys down a big red flag and says, now we have a problem. It puts a flag in the sand. Every time you eat that chicken or that cottage cheese or that broccoli, that whatever it is, you now have a gut response or an immune response of some kind. And now that laundry list of foods that you cannot eat grows bigger and bigger. Now suddenly you've got a little bit of irritability. Maybe you've got some anxiety. Now you've got actual allergies that you're medicated for. You have seasonal allergies developing. Your immune system is taking a toll, right? It's like this glass of water in my hand. The more things we put in that glass, the more taxed your immune system becomes. It's only got so much room to deal with junk you put in it. Once it overflows, we have symptoms. We have autoimmunity in all these conditions. And so I see it very commonly in practice. I was just talking to someone at the gym today. And we kind of went through, I guess she's dealing with gut issues. I said, okay, here's what I suspect. Cause we kind of got a quick history when you were, you know, 10 years old, you had, she ended up breaking her jaw. For example, she had a bunch of teeth that were cracked and she got root canals. By the time you were 12, you started getting uh, skin issues. Well, that root canal, right? Directly connected because your mouth and your gut, they're the same thing. And that root canal then led to infection in the body, which led to the immune system, which led to infection. That infection caused gut issues, which led to leaky gut, which leads to hormonal issues, anxiety, depression, skin issues, irritability. As time goes on, you develop food sensitivities. Now your doctor gives you medications for the anxiety, for the this, for the that. And then you start developing more issues. Maybe it's uh, some kind of autoimmune condition. Maybe it's acne. Maybe it's lupus. Like there's so many things connected, which you get more medications for. And that's effectively your gut's role in the immune system. You fill the glass of water with things that come through and permeate through your gut or other things that can really contribute and the things stack on top. And we always need to go back and find a history. Yeah, the history is very important. I mean, I think that even a lot of people who I you know, I was a practicing nutritionist a couple of years ago, and I think some of the questions I would ask wrapped around immunity and people's ability to you know are you sick a lot are you you know have you always sick as a kid for example and you can even go back to you know how long were you breastfed for how mm -hmm. were you born vaginally where did you have a c-section you know like really fascinating um conversations that we we're not taught about really in we're not talking about in school and not people are aware of the fact that you know we obviously are, are birthed out of a vaginal canal that has a very deliberate microbiome that we are supposed to be like you know smothered with it gets into our on our body in our body and if we're not um you know obviously some c-sections are very very necessary mm -hmm. but in some many countries like in scandinavia they do i think it's called vaginal seeding where they would take there'll be a specialist nurse there who would you know um swab the area of the, of the mother and then that would be the first bacterial exposure to that baby would be from that very you know, that, that deliberate mm -hmm. area that um changes during that during that birth to you know start begin the inoculation of that baby and to start priming that immune system to work and so many so many researchers and so many um papers show that you know, many many children who are delivered by cesarean section have a microbiome more similar to the walls in that hospital that's room. right rather than the mother's vaginal canal which a lot of people should be aware of that should be a really cool fascinating scary fact because we're not dealing with that every day when thousands of kids are born every single day we're not taking that into consideration and that sets up your child to either to be able to um deal with the the, the micro the microorganisms around around them and there's bacteria and viruses they're going to be connected with, or it's it's not, and we see a ridiculous amount of autoimmune diseases and allergies at the moment. I mean, there's so mm. many things that we could talk about 
when it comes to that. But if your immune system is not, let's just say proper, you're going to struggle with the interaction with many things as you grow up. Yeah, it's, it's got to be prime from the beginning. You know, I, I look at the microbiomes, again, not just the gut, but the skin, the eyes, the mouth, all of it. It's, it's like seeding a meadow. Right, a brand new meadow, some seeds will blow in, you get grass starts to grow and little bugs and insects come in and smaller animals come in until big vegetation grows. But if you hit it right there as it's just trying to grow with any kind of issues, antibiotics, whatever it is, it may never grow back properly again. It might always be inhibited. But if that meadow is allowed to grow and to flourish and big animals come in and trees start to grow and 40 years later you have this Amazon rainforest, it's a very thriving ecosystem that can handle catching fire. It can handle death here and there. And it's very, very interesting. When we look at that. You talk about birth. I mean, absolutely birth and breastfeeding coming through the vaginal canal and being breastfed right away. It's, it's quite dramatic what we're seeing. I mean, the stats are showing back in 1990, C-section rates were just 7%. They're predicted to be 30% by 2030. And you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. The doctors kind of push it. Doctors try to push early delivery or induced delivery, especially around the holidays. So they can get home for Christmas. Um, we look at breastfeeding rates you know, going up dramatically as well, or uh, breastfeeding rates going down and bottle feeding going up. We know that infants who are strictly bottle fed and not breastfed at all are twice as likely to die from SIDS. Babies who are not born uh, regularly, who are born through C-section, they develop things more commonly like respiratory and neurological disorders like autism spectrum, schizophrenia, immune disorders, asthma, um, skin issues, juvenile arthritis, celiac disease, type 1 diabetes, even obesity. And then on the other side, and this just kind of goes to show the further we move away from you know nature, there are of course a lot of women who just can't breastfeed. It's a medical reason or something else, but many just choose not to. But for infants, not being breastfed is actually associated with an increased incidence of infectious morbidity, elevated risks of childhood obesity, type 1 and 2 diabetes, leukemia, and like we mentioned, SIDS. And for mothers, a failure to breastfeed is associated with an increased incidence of pre-menopausal breast cancer. Uh, we also see ovarian cancer, retained gestational weight or the weight that uh, mothers will retain after giving birth, type 2 diabetes, uh, heart attacks, all kinds of issues from not breastfeeding. And so when we look at these connections between how things are really, we'll say, supposed to go in nature, a lot oftentimes what they do in, we'll say, indigenous cultures where they're living off the land, walking barefoot, giving birth in their homes, they don't know what these diseases are. They don't have obesity. They don't have diabetes. They don't have these mental health conditions unless you know someone got hit in the axe with a head during a village raid when they were little. So it's very, very different world. And these diseases we have, they're definitely North American issues. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned what 30% cesarean rate. I mean, how much of that 30% is, is necessary? Maybe it's one, two, three, four, five percent. Mm -hmm. And it's a real big shame. And I, I, I don't know who's to blame, but like that, you've got to put the finger on like education systems and health systems and, and, the, and the government not making people aware. Because I think if people were aware of what we're talking about right now, cesarean would only be, you know, an emergency last minute choice for most people, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm guessing. And obviously there are people who can't breastfeed as well and we have a lot of sympathy and empathy for that, but it's kind of the way it's supposed to be. And you can look at the ingredients between a formula and the breast breast milk, it's, it's, it's not even comparable, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to those like antibodies coming through the, the mother and the mother's breast milk is changing every day depending on the child's needs. It's a, it's a phenomenal, I've got two kids and it's a phenomenal experience and you know, especially for, for the mother in regards to their connection with the child and what that does for them as an individual, as a mother, rather than just you know, thinking of the baby. You know, it's a very, very, let's just say a family holistic mm. thing that needs to be taken into consideration. But um, I want to talk about things that re really wreak havoc on our gut health. The, really, like the, more, the more common things that most like North Americans are consuming or even doing or not doing um that are that's really you know putting their body under strain by damaging their microbiome yeah that's an amazing question because when we dive into you know how do we get it better like you mentioned we'll talk about it at the end we need to understand what we're doing that's hurting it because we can't fix it until we stop harming it and so we, why don't we start at birth? We already talked, well, because definitely a lot of people don't have kids and no one listening is actually a baby. So a lot of this may not be relevant to you yet, but 
I want to talk about some things from birth and as we work our way up in age. So we talked about C-sections and breastfeeding. The Red Cross did a study back in 2004. It was actually quoted in a publishing by the Environmental Working Group in 2005, I believe. But they took a bunch of freshly cut umbilical cords. They found more than 287 different chemicals, pollutants, pesticides, and consumer products with like waste from burning coal and cigarettes and garbage inside these brand new babies like oil stainings and repellents and 180 chemicals are known to cause cancer. 217 were toxic to the brain and nervous system. 208 were known to cause birth defects, at least in animal studies. And so on top of C-sections, bottle fed, we're dealt with a bad hand. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, looking at the food we consume. Now, a lot of our imports, this is a big problem. It's not the foods themselves so much. And I often get asked, what about diet? Is it carnivore? Is it vegan? Is it somewhere in the middle? Is it plant-based? Is it animal-based? That aside, we have to look at our food production. You know, the way that our country handles food is one of the worst in the world. I mean, most American foods, there's banned in 30 different countries looking at meats, the way they're washed in chlorine or the, the RGBH, the recombinant bovine growth hormone they give to cattle known to cause bone breakages and cancers and DNA mutation and all kinds of issues in humans even that we're feeding people. We know since 1990, and these are numbers I'm pulling because I recently did a lecture on this exact thing, but in 1990, Pesticide usage has now gone up in these last 30 years, two to four times. And the variety of different types of pesticides we consume is like 19 times more. Yeah. And it's over 17,000 different types of pesticides used in the United States. Now, what do pesticides do? Well, they kill living organisms. What are bacteria? Living organisms. And then we go through and we sanitize our hands. We're using hand cleaner and sanitizing everything. And we're just not getting exposed to germs. So we're not introducing new life to that meadow, new animals, new bugs, new things to make this rainforest. It's quite sterile. And so people don't have that variety, that microbial diversity to have a proper ecosystem, which gives them that immune system and that resilience against fires and floods and all that stuff. And so we start looking at other things. Okay. So our food's poison. We know that our water's poison. We know that. Um, I developed orthorexia going back to school where I was like afraid to eat anything. Um, but looking at the basics, the things we can control, right? Sometimes it's hard to grow your own food, especially here in you know Canada it can be very cold out unless you have indoor gardens. Most of us don't, but consider how much food we eat. I use us stats because us and Canada are very similar, but the average American consumes over a hundred pounds of sugar every single day. It's 126 grams daily. It's a hundred pounds a year in sugar, That's which it's, it's wild. We wonder why the obesity is on the rise or diabetes is on the rise and fatty liver disease. Cause not only is it just sugar, but it's corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, corn syrup, solids, and different types of corn sugars and artificial sugars, uh, fast food, $750 billion a year in fast food, alcohol, smoking, antibiotic usage. I, I just saw a client who came in to see me the other day. Like we talked about, she's in that gray area. She doesn't have a diagnosis of colitis, but her doctor thought she did, did a colonoscopy. It didn't fit. They said, well, there's nothing we can do. Well, her doctors in the last three years, she's had recurrent UTIs. They couldn't figure out why. In the last three years, she's had over 30 runs of antibiotics, which have just destroyed her gut. And antibiotic usage is up 40 plus percent in the last 25 years. Medication is trillions of dollars a year. Healthcare in America is $4.5 trillion a year. And we celebrate going, well, people are surviving longer with cancer. Great. But we're also seeing way more cancer rates. We're seeing people dying at younger ages. Despite spending the most on healthcare in the world, the death rate is actually declining. People are getting younger as they die. People are getting sicker. 60 plus percent of all Americans over the age, I think it's 50 or 60, are on two or more prescription medications. And so the things we're doing, I think the better question is what aren't we doing? We're not educating ourselves. We're not becoming aware. We're not, you know, getting in with local farmers and actually eating whole foods. The things we eat come from the center aisles that are packaged, processed, frozen in a box. We're not shopping the perimeter of the store. And so we, we've just disconnected ourselves so much away from food and nutrition. It's actually become detrimental. And Wendell Berry actually has a quote. It says, people are fed by the food industry, which pays no attention to health and are treated by the health industry, which pays no attention to food. And that just summarizes basically everything I could ever give as a message in the rest of my career. <laughs> 
yeah for sure i think yeah i mean there are certain things that we can't avoid depending on like where you live in regards to you know agriculture and pesticides and things yeah. like that i always think of it like what can you be doing every single day to putting your body in the best possible position to ward off these things and deal with these things you're talking you spoke earlier about the red cross study and the umbilical cords you know for me i li listen to that and i'm like how isn't it amazing that babies can actually survive and come out and thrive considering that that's how incredible mm -hmm. the human body is so every single day what can you be doing what can you be consuming and avoiding to help your body become what the, what it's supposed to do is this super organism to make you feel awesome and ward off these things because you know if people have these lists of things that they shouldn't do that can get it can get too much and it can be, and end up being a negative thing. And if they consume one chicken nugget or a burger or something, they would throw the whole program out of the window. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing to do because a lot of these things are around, uh, are around us all of the time. And when we're talking about pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, all these things, we can't see them. So we don't put as much attention on them as we probably should, just like our microbiome, which you don't really see, but we certainly feel it and we can, um, experience the symptoms of, of of a dysbiosis state if we're kind of aware and we have that a little bit more of a mind body connection and you know, you know throwing in something like meditation into that and, and breathing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, one of my favourite books, The Epidemic of Absence, is talking all about we have this epidemic of the fact that we we don't have these bacteria in us, on us, and and around us. I mean, it's beautiful. This book is amazing. I'll put a link into it because it's such a good book. I probably need to reread re it again. But it's talking all about the fact that we do have this horrifically um, horrific idea of hygiene, overcleaning. Cute dog, by the way. Those, Thank you very those, much. Those listening, Josh got a cute dog with him. <laughs> My little wiener dog, Bruce. He keeps me company. Nice. That's <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. If we are um, not um aware of the the fact that these hand sanitizers which are everywhere are in these soaps and this clean 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 with you know we used to play in the dirt and eat dirt and you know be out there you know my kids spend most of the summer here in bc naked out in the garden <laughs> you know but it's it's kind of like the way it's supposed to be like the mm -hmm. bacteria in the soil in the in, in the leaves in the garden even in the air it's supposed to be affecting us. And I can't stand the fact that even in playgrounds now, there's anti-sanitizer things everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we're pushing this message, which is the completely the wrong message. I mean, you can be safe. You can wash your hands after certain activities to um, take care of your own health for sure. But there's a point and we have a very, very sick culture. And what we're doing at the moment isn't really working. And also one more thing I wanted to say on your really great point there about um, the sugar consumption that you were talking about and the obesity. There's another really great book called The Big Fat Surprise, which is you know, kind of debunking all of that nonsense research that like you know, fat, you know, good quality fatty foods and high protein diets is going to, you know, cause high cholesterol levels and it's going to mm -hmm. cause you to become fat when a lot of that research was funded by the sugar industry. And you just, you, you can't, you've got to be crazy not to be able to step back and take a look at the world and look at the sugar and look at the state of us in regards to our health it's very clearly there's one very big culprit right there and for a lot of people who i've worked with they start cutting sugar out usually in the form of like beer or treats or chips and things like that the fats is another the trans fats is another conversation but just taking that out of the diet giving your body a break from that highly inflammatory food and giving your microbiome the opportunity to settle and to Re regain its kind of like foundational um, terrain gives your body the best ability to make start making you feel awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, mentioned earlier about getting tested and that's a great one. If we circle back to those GI maps, you actually get your bacteria tested. You can see what's high, what's low. The hard part really is knowing what to do with it. If you have a lot of overgrowth, it can be very, very dangerous. So I did want to put a point of caution on those who want to get a GI map done some require practitioners to like approve or like a, ref a referral of some kind to the lab, but there are some you can just get, you take the box, you give the sample, you send it to the lab. It's, it's a delight. It's the only time you can send poop in the mail and it not be a felony. Um, and so, you know, you get those back, but what do you do with it? It's kind of like getting your own blood work done if you're not a doctor. And so I do want to encourage you take caution. Getting the GI map is great information, but if you don't know what to do with it, it can be 
in some cases fatal. We have seen people cause some very serious issues and we've seen death by people messing too much with their microbiomes uh, without supervision. So that's my, my word of caution there. No, that's that's a very responsible thing to say. Absolutely. I was going to leave a link for some of those um, companies that you're recommending there. But without question, you really need to be working with somebody to not only analyze the data, but put a treatment plan in process and work with your own individuality to be able to actually do that with the with the, with the best amount of caution that's going to start helping you out. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, just the idea of gut health, gut dysbiosis, consumption of lots of pharmaceuticals and how that inflammatory state that so many people are experiencing damages the gut and damages the body's ability to actually take nutrients from the food that they eat. Even though their food might be nutrient dense, sorry, nutrient poor, um, even though they, they may be supplementing, you know, you can have the best diet on the planet, but if you've got a poor, if you've got poor gut health, you're really going to struggle to be able to break that food down and pull the necessary nutrients from it to be able to utilize them throughout the body. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, gut dysbiosis and maybe perhaps nutrient deficiency? Yeah, and how they relate to breaking down food and absorbing nutrients? Yeah, absolutely. And just like that connection that we see a lot of people who do have you know, poor gut health mm. And they have this, like, they have even this this look about them with the inability to like thrive with like hair, yes. nails, skin. You can see those people are just not, don't have those essential nutrients from their food. Therefore, their body literally is, it can only it can only build structure with the ingredients that that you're not only that you're giving it, but they can actually be absorbed. You know, you're not what you eat, you're what you absorb. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you said it so well, I kind of answered your own question, which is great. I love that. Um, so when you have inflammation, right, you can't work properly. If you have an inflamed ankle that you sprained, you can't walk properly. It's a little bit, uh, you got a limp, it's a little bit slow. Same thing happens in your gut where you can't, if you're inflamed, you can't do your job properly. It can't absorb and package and repackage and ship. The shipping receiving process is all bungled and slowed down because it's inhibited. When we look at the leaks themselves or the inflammation, I mean, number one, anytime you're inflamed, we'll even back it up further and say anytime you're under stress, and I don't just mean psychological, mental, emotional stress, but any stressors, mm -hmm. sitting at work, chewing your food, even sleeping, these are technically forms of stressors. I'd say sleeping is the low end spectrum of that stressor, but they're all things that require resources from the body to perform. Right? They all require resources in the terms of calories, vitamins, minerals, whatever it may be. And so everything we do, that's what we call metabolism. Metabolism isn't weight gain and weight loss. It's any chemical process in the body used to maintain life. So growing your hair, your nails, breathing, it's all metabolism. And so your metabolism is in constant need of resources. But when your gut is inflamed and you're eating nutrient poor food, for example, fast food, packaged foods, whatever is void of nutrients. Not only is your inflammation requiring excess resources, but you're now in the red, but now you're consuming nutrient poor resources. And so you're spending much more than you're making and you're actually going into debt. And what does your body do when you're in debt? What do you got to do? You either got to work more, work harder, find a different job, which is different nutrients, or you borrow money. And so your body will start to borrow resources from your hair, your skin, your nails, the disposable aspects of the body, these bank accounts of nutrients, it'll rob it from your organs. And this is where we see people with one gut issue. And then years down the road, this is why I can predict that many people, you'll tell me a couple of different instances of health and I'll walk through and I'll read your bloody mail. Here's where it started. Here's what happened. Here's the skin issues within this amount of time give or take based on your diet, you developed issue A, B, and C. And then it was X, Y, Z. And like this girl I was talking to at the gym this morning about her gut freaked her out. She's like, that is all of my symptoms in nearly the exact order because mm -hmm. it's a predictable breakdown process. And when you can do that and you can figure out how the body's broken down, you can see where it's stealing nutrients from and in what order it will steal from the least important organs, hair, skin, nails, right? It can survive without those. We can't survive without a liver, heart, and a brain, but it can basically live without everything else. <laughs> Your liver, heart, and brain are the most important. And so it will keep robbing these nutrients. And when you're inflamed, not only are you absorbing less, 
but all this inflammation is circulating through the body. Your bacteria, when they're overgrown, produce something called endotoxins or LPS stands for lipopolysaccharide. It's a big, I use big words. So you guys think I'm smart, um, but these toxins produced by bacteria circulate around the body, starting more fires, which you need more resources to put out. And so now you're burning through even more resources and you're, you're not taking them in. So you go even to more you go for further and further into debt and people will start even getting like weakness in their teeth, sensitivity, cavities, because your body will rob minerals from your very teeth. And so it always has to come from somewhere. We see this in fertility issues, women with gut issues who can't get pregnant or men whose sperm lacks motility or lack um, quality and quantity. It's because you don't have the nutrients to put out to these extra things. And if you do get successfully pregnant, A, you're going to get very, very sick after the fact because your body will, your baby will steal those nutrients or B, it may not carry to term. We see a lot of miscarriage. And so we see mental health disorders and diabetes, all these things in, in pregnancy or again, post. And so it's a very complicated process, but long and short. You're inflamed, so you're not absorbing. You're inflamed, so you're burning through resources, and now you're in debt, and it's robbing from other places. And that's sort of the breakdown process of how that goes. Yeah, I mean, so many pathologies can come down to nutrient deficiency, and whether that's because you have a nutrient-poor diet or you have a gut that just, just doesn't have the ability to, to, to absorb those nutrients from food. We see so many psychological conditions here at True Hope Canada in, reg in regards in regards to nutrient deficiency and i'm just thinking more and more about how the microbiome is significantly connected to that because most people nine nine out of ten people have have a have a dysbiosis situation for one reason or another and our flagship product here at, at trip canada is called empower plus it's a broad spectrum micronutrient formula that specifically the minerals go through a four-day chelation process where they're broken down so small that they can cross a blood-brain barrier and even if you do have poor digestion, poor microbiome, you've got your body's going to be able to absorb these nutrients because they're in such bioavailable forms. And we see quite remarkably quick recoveries in, in people, well, not full recoveries, but people start to feel a lot better, a lot quicker because they are taking this one product that is giving them all the essential nutrients that, they, that they're going to need to actually start filling that cup up more where the body's not having to pull these building blocks as you say from from hair cells from skin cells from from organs but you're able to actually just you know take a three four caps a day and get this and start feeling amazing very very quickly and um, yeah the, 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 that nutrient deficiency piece is i think absolutely huge for everyone around the world and it'd be wonderful if you could just do a couple of simple tests to say listen well there are i technically mm -hmm. there are but you figure out exactly what which of these key nutrients you know there are there are essential fatty acids of course there are essential proteins mm -hmm. that we need to be taking every single day from an external source and it's so vital that i think for a lot of people who are, are struggling with their digestion struggling with their, with their um, microbiome health that they're taking a product that they can rely on that is easily absorbed regardless of their actual state in the moment whether they're super inflamed or not that inflamed so important. Yeah, I think it's important to note that as well is that these supplements really help. And I know you know this because obviously, you know, you being a practicing nutritionist or uh, you've had that experience, a lot of people often go, well, I can take this supplement and then I'm fine. You don't have to address the root cause. Well, now you're just dealing with vitamin-based or plant-based medication, taking herbs or taking vitamins that cover the root cause. They won't fix bacterial dysbiosis. They won't fix leaky gut. They'll just provide your body with things it can't absorb on its own, mm -hmm. taking care of some of the other symptoms like skin issues, mental health issues, whatever it may be, but they're not fixes. And I think this is a very dangerous road that, you know, as practitioners, we can walk down as well. I've seen naturopathic doctors even do this, where people come in with gut issues or gut disease. And they give them $500 a month worth of supplements, but they still have the condition. They've just given them now plant-based medication, masking the symptoms with turmeric instead of, you know, uh, whatever other um, gut medication they're being given. And so it's really unfortunate. And I love that you have something so available. At least it gives the body building blocks to start healing itself. Now, again, you're putting your, you're hosing down the fire while at the same time you're pouring gasoline on it, but at least you're giving it something to do and it's not getting worse. And that's amazing. That right there is such a huge part of health is replacing the basic building blocks and letting your body re-regulate itself. So often 
will we try to outsmart the body? We'll try to go on a seven-day detox or do these cleanses and go right back to doing what we were doing before that got us to the need for this detox or cleanse, like eating junk food. And, and we can't outsmart the body. It has so many countless healing mechanisms. And every time we do try to outsmart the body, we screw with it or do something to mess with nature, we get worse inevitably every single time. I mean, just look at the, the decline of health in, in, this, in the United States or Canada in the last 70 years since the indoctrination of fast food, fried food, packaged foods, seed oils, sugars, and fructose, and all these kinds of things, these, these high fructose corn syrups, it is a direct correlation in the uprise of disease as it is with the uprise of these foods. And so we try to outsmart the body by giving a medication for the diabetes rather than correcting the cause of the diabetes. And so we're just getting sicker and sicker, but we're living longer. But in that living longer, we're not thriving. We're just surviving and we're surviving on medication. And that is the, that's a, a lifetime subscription model. Pharmaceutical companies love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we so good quality supplementation is without question a tool that needs to be used responsibly, working with a health practitioner, working with somebody who knows what they're doing and they can guide you through that. And as you say, as I say, it, it's a tool to be able to help you be able to do the other things. We see so frequently a lot of people come in with mood disorders and just taking this one product is, gives them the ability to start thinking about moving their body, cooking good quality food for themselves, um, getting out into sunlight, getting to bed earlier, making different choices. It opens the door for a lot of people, lifting that kind of veil of darkness that can come with physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain. So without question, yeah, thank you for, for, for saying that. Yeah, it's absolutely an important tool to start beginning to help your body get there. But when we're talking about this holistic idea of you and your health, there are many different aspects that we need to take care of. There's no one quick fix, even when we're talking about like using natural health products. So I really appreciate that. I want to, um, I want to finish up with talk, clarifying the question that we, we discussed at the top of the show. What one thing can we do right now to begin healing our gut? So what have you got for me? Easiest things. In fact, instead of just one, I can bang out a quick list of like five really easy ones. Do it. Number one, stop shopping down the aisles, eat the food on the perimeter. That's easy. It's your vegetables, your fruits, your meats and animal products. That's easy. Number two, if it's not a food your great, great grandmother would recognize, don't eat it. If it's oat milk, if it's a package, don't eat it. That's the best thing we can do. That is not meant to be eaten. Um, number three, if you do buy foods like plants and you know, any kind of uh, vegetable base, check out the EWG. That's the environmental working group. They have two great lists, the clean 15 and the dirty dozen and the clean 15 of the 15 safest foods, avocados and mangoes and pineapples that have the least amount of pesticides. The dirty dozen is the most amount of pesticides. Like every year, strawberries, blueberries, apples, spinach, that type of stuff is on there. Um, so that's, that's the next one you can do because again, the pesticides kill everything and they'll kill your gut bacteria as well. Um, number three, chew. So many of us forget to just sit, breathe, and chew. We do what's called dashboard dining. We're running back and forth. You're shuttling five kids in the van, going to soccer practice, grab something on the go, scarf it down like a pelican, like, <clears throat> one gulp, and it just in it goes. We don't chew our food, but chewing puts you into rest and digest. It gets you out of fight or flight. Take a couple of breaths, chew 20, 30 times, swallow, and take time to eat. On top of that, if you're having other issues, you can always consider even a basic digestive enzyme. You can pick those up over the counter. They're pretty cheap. Pop one of those with a meal. It can help supplement the enzymes that your body may not be making, which will easily break down your food, which can help you absorb these nutrients that you may not be absorbing with gut inflammation. Those are the easiest things. If you've got a diagnosed disease like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, that's a whole different animal, but these are the basics for people dealing with minor gut issues. Beautiful. Yeah. A lot of people can take even just one of those pieces to start, to start benefiting themselves right now. And yeah, with like colitis, those very serious conditions that, you know, if you, if you're in a poor state right now, that could potentially be your future. So it's important to like, you can mm -hmm. make those changes right now to avoid that because the further along that road you go, the trickier it is to get back. I mean, I think any, any kind of recovery is possible really, but as you say, it's going to make it a lot more tricky, but Josh, awesome. Can you let us know where people can get a hold of you, please? Where can people contact you? 
Yeah, of course. So the easiest way to reach me is through my podcast. That's Reversible, the Ultimate Gut Health Podcast. That's spelled Reverse Able, the Ultimate Gut Health Podcast. We we meet there every single week. We have an interview with some of the world's most famous specialists and doctors, Stephen Gundry, Lisa Bill Yu, um, Leo Galland, like you name it, just some amazing, amazing specialist doctors and, and famous personalities. Um, and of course, if you have questions, we do one live interview every single week. And then we also do a question period every single Tuesday, we release a quick 10 minute episode where people can write into the show and get answers to their questions. Uh, and so we do that as well. You can just head over to reverseablepod.com and go through the links. We got all kinds of free stuff. We have free gut health programs on there that we've written up for people, very comprehensive with lifestyle and nutrition and all kinds. So through that podcast, Reverseable, the ultimate gut health podcast is the easiest way to find information and get more help. Wonderful, Josh. I really appreciate that. I'll make sure all of that information is available in the show notes. I'm going to put some of the books we've talked about as well. I'm going to get some links from you in regards to gut testing that we'll put up as well. Mm -hmm. But that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and teaching us all about gut health. It's absolutely been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Simon. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, that is it for this episode of True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. We will see you next week. Cheers.